This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the movie podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm one of your hosts today and joining alongside me. It's my echo. It's Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Hello, everyone. How is your day going, Anthony? I am doing fine. I'm excited to talk about uh, echo and and actually, you know, get into it. I think this is like a, a show that has been on my mind since the trailer and and really excited about what this version of the Marvel spotlight looks like. Yeah, and 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 you know, that's exactly it. Today we are talking about Echo, but if you want to hear our review, if you want to hear our social reactions, you're going to want to wait a little bit longer. Those will be releasing early next week, so you can check out the movie podcast feed on socials, on YouTube, on all podcast feeds to check that out. Our show notes below have everything you need to know and more. But today, we are so delighted to be joined by some of the cast of Echo, which is going to be premiering on January 9th in the evening on Disney Plus and on Disney Plus and Hulu in the United States. So we have some of the cast members and we have the director and executive producer joining us. So we have a pretty stacked show of interviews for you today. So joining us from Echo is Devery Jacobs, Chaske Spencer, director Sydney Freeland, and executive producer Richie Palmer. So we got a full house, Anthony. How are you feeling? It's it's pretty cool. Like it's pretty cool to have uh Sydney Freeland in our in our on our show because she's uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Reservation Dogs and she's a big part of that as well as uh, Devery Jacobs who's also part of the cast. Um, I'm really excited to kind of like learn a little bit about what this season or what Echo the series brings to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and like going back to just being that you know the, the brutal the brutal version of the Marvel cinematic universe. We don't, we don't get in, you know, this Disney world. So it's, it's nice to go back to it and also have a reason to why we're going back to that model. This is uh, a mature rated show. Uh, that is very clear in all the marketing for it. It's it's t- it's mature and it's cool to see that. And like you said, Anthony, it's very reminiscent from the trailers of everything that we've gone of those, you know, original Netflix series. And we know that Daredevil's going to be making an appearance as we've seen 
in the trailer as we've seen in the clips that have been released so we have a lot to say about this series but you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for us to dive deeper into it but this is the movie podcast you can catch brand new episodes all throughout the week with new reviews interviews and episodes and all the latest movies and series we have some great stuff planned for you in january so you want to make sure you're tuning in wherever you follow us whether it's on socials or it's on youtube or on podcast feeds we're so glad that you're here make sure you subscribe make sure you give us five stars make sure you write into the show a like goes a long way for us so that is so uh we're so appreciative of that but i don't want to take up too much time today because we have a great lineup of interviews ready for you so without further ado please welcome devry jacobs chaske spencer director sydney freeland and executive producer richie palmer to the movie podcast hey sydney how are you good how are you I'm doing so well, thank you. I just want to first off start by saying congratulations on the show. Uh, the first three episodes really were uh, so unique and I think so different from a lot of what we've seen in the MCU. So I, I need to ask you to start, you know, what was most exciting for you to be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe? For myself, you know, just being a fan of, of Marvel comic books and the MCU in general, it was, it was tremendous. It was tremendously exciting to be able to be a part of this project. You know, I think um, you know, in, in watching the Hawkeye series and in, in reading the comic books as well, too, you know, the thing for myself that was most interesting about the character is that she's a villain. Uh, you know, it's 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 a wonderful sort of gray area to be in. And it's a, it's a great safe. It's a great sort of space to sort of, sort of explore. And so in the conversations with Marvel early on, their response was like, hey, let's lean into that. Let's let's see if we can push the envelope. Let's see if we can go down that rabbit hole and see how far we can take things. Um, and so that was really the jumping off point for everything everything with that. And uh, I'm very excited to explore a previously unseen corner of the MCO. Yeah, and and I think what's what's so cool about that too is that not only are you exploring an unseen corner of the MCU, but I think you're giving a perspective that's not always seen. And I think what I love so much about how this show is shot and it's presented is that. You're a lot of it you show and, and you hear through Maya's perspective. And I, and I love those moments where you really change the audio and you, you bring it through Maya's perspective. And I was just curious, how did you begin to bring those sequences together and make uh, that balance work between, you know, what we're hearing and what Maya's experiencing? This is a perfect example of why representation matters. You know, like I'm I'm indigenous uh i'm american but i'm not deaf and so um one of the things that we try to do was surround ourselves with not only the indigenous uh people in front of behind the camera but also deaf uh people in front of behind the camera that meant we had deaf writers in the writers room that meant that we had deaf consultants behind the scenes i mean we had you no know, we had american sign language master doug ridloff who was translating all of our scripts from uh, English to ASL because the two languages are not one-to-one. -one. Uh, that meant that we had multiple uh, deaf and indigenous uh, actors in front of the camera playing deaf and indigenous roles. And so in that process of, of um, uh, you know, educating ourselves on the deaf experience, we, you know, we were able to actually incorporate a lot of what we learned into the filmmaking process. Um, and so I think one of the things was was trying to find places and opportunities where we could put the audience in the perspective of Maya Lopez. And that's sort of what that's kind of where the what we call the deaf POV uh, perspective uh, was born from. I love that. And even seeing like in like interpreters in the scene, I think that's something that is not something that you would always expect to see in a series or in a film. And I, and I love that you guys all had that attention to detail to include that because that's so important. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, you know, this being, uh, you know, the first, you know, 
really brutal and mature rated series in the MCU. What was it like for you to be able to, you know, play within that sandbox and be able to show a little bit more of the brutality and, you know, you know, with the devil of Hell's Kitchen? Again, for myself, it, it, everything stems from story, right? Like we didn't, we didn't set out to make a TV MA television series um it, it just sort of came about organically in the process and again in in exploring Maya's backstory and where she comes from and you know like on paper she's a deaf indigenous amputee girl growing up in Oklahoma who becomes a top-ranking lieutenant in Kingpin's army you know so in order to show that trajectory you have to show some of the things she had to do to get to that point you know it's not the it's not the people at the top of the organization that are doing the dirty work it's the it's the boots on the ground folks that are doing it and so that meant that we couldn't shy away from Maya Lopez's um uh, uh what she had to do to to elevate to potentially become Kingpin's successor and so for for us it was um it was always a, it wasn't always it was it was always a question of uh how much can we push the envelope while still being uh, true to the story. You, you guys balance that line so well. Um, it's great to see the action sequences in the story because at the end of the day, it's a human story. So I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I really hope we get to talk to you again and I cannot wait to see where the rest of the series goes. So congratulations again. Thank you so much. Hey, Richie, how you doing? Good, how are you? I am doing so well. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me on the movie podcast today. And congratulations on the series. Thank you. Now, you've been at Marvel for a while, and I think you, you've been able to see, you know, this cinematic universe really grow into something massive. What does it mean for you now to be able to tell Maya's story and explore a, a whole new corner of the MCU? Dude, we are at such a fun time right now at Marvel Studios that with the television side of things, we get to tell all of these stories about uh, new characters and some more of our favorite uh, but obscure characters from the comics. We're all at Marvel fans of this era of Daredevil comics from the late 90s that David Mack mm -hmm. and Joe Quesada worked on uh, that Maya came from. And, and that era of the comics really has inspired a lot that we've done in the past couple of years at the studio. But with Maya specifically, you know, it was such a dark and violent and gritty uh, time in those Daredevil comics. And we really wanted to honor that on screen. And it's something that I don't know we would have been able to do five or ten years ago. But now with Disney Plus and Marvel TV, we get to tell these stories about these more obscure characters and push them even further than we ever could have hoped for. So now we have Maya Lopez at the the forefront of her own series and she is kicking so much ass and, and yeah. <laughs> like it, it was so awesome that we got to bring this relatively obscure and a favorite of ours uh, corner of the universe into the MCU. Yeah, and I think that's what's so incredible, right? Because you're, you're exploring a character that, you know, we were first introduced to in Hawkeye, now we're getting their own series, but you're also bringing into the mix these characters that we've known and loved forever, like Wilson Fisk and Matt Murdock, and I'm just curious for you, as someone who's been at Marvel as long as you have, you must be just over the moon to now be able to join this universe, right? Yeah, uh, we are all such huge fans of the Netflix Daredevil series, so to get Vincent D'Onofrio to reprise his role for us was amazing, but then to get to do different things with that character and see a new side of him and see him be this father figure to Maya Lopez and how... He, uh, as the kingpin, you know, kind of raised her and brought her up as this violent um, extension of himself. It was really cool that we got to show a whole new facet of him and a new side of him. I know that Vincent loved it uh, for that reason as well. Like, it was super cool working with him because we got to do a completely new thing with a beloved character uh, played by, you know, the iconic 
actor that made the character everybody's favorite villain. Right. Yeah. And then now, like, you know, with no spoilers to the grander of the series, but, you know, seeing Daredevil in the trailer and seeing how these worlds are colliding, I think that's so cool. And it makes it so exciting to be a Marvel fan right now, just knowing that, you know, all of these characters are you know, in this world and they could interact with one another. I'm curious for yourself, you know, you've been at Marvel since 2014. So we're approaching almost 10 years for yourself. What's kept you there this long? You know, I, I, I must imagine just it's exciting every day for you, but what's kept you there for all this time? I mean, I'm, a, I'm such a fan of what we do. I, I was a fan before I worked at Marvel and I'm still a fan now. So that's, that's the direct answer to your question is I'm just such a fan of what we do and now where we are in phase five and with our television shows, we get to do so many new and different things that, again, we wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago. It's so cool to be here now and be thinking of uh, more shows like Echo that we could bring to life in the future about some of those other obscure characters that we've all just kind of had in the back of our our minds as a wouldn't it be great if one day we got to tell a story about Maya? Wouldn't it be great if one day we got a story about... Uh, so it, it's so exciting to think <laughs> about taking some of those other characters that have been in my brain since I was a kid and bringing them to screen one day. Definitely. And you know, we you're launching a new banner with the show as well too with the Marvel Spotlight. Yeah. Can we expect more of those, you know, series or projects in the future under that new banner yeah for sure and i think um the unifying thing for spotlight will be that they're they're character driven you know and it'll be new characters like maya that we want to just devote time to spend with this character and everything that like for maya for example to spend time with her family members that are new characters for us you know it's it's not just introducing a character of maya it's introducing a whole new corner of the mcu with her so that's part of the most exciting it's one of the most exciting parts about the spotlight banner yeah, and, and I think you're really doing something special with Maya's character. And I, you know, I was mentioning to Sydney as well, too, that, you know, the fact that you will switch perspectives and just using the sound, I think that's such an incredible way to showcase who her character is. And I'm really excited to see where the series goes. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. And I really hope we get to talk to you again. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Good. Hey, good. How are you? I am doing so, so well. Uh, I just want to say congratulations on this series. Having seen the first three episodes, I love how different this is from anything I think we've seen in the MCU before. Um, but also having finished the third episode, I'm like, damn, I really want to go to a roller skating rink. <laughs> um, so I need to know, first and foremost, how great are your roller skating skills? And what's what's your go-to song? Set the ring to... I I my roller skating skills are non-existent. I would love to. In my mind, I would love to say that Bonnie is part of like the roller derby league in that community in Tamaha, um, and that she would listen to anything by Shania Twain. But love it. Um, I in real life I can't skate. Save my life. <laughs> Bonus points for choosing a Canadian artist. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm horrible at it. It took me a while to actually. Be able to just even move but uh i i started getting a little okay on it i think my rotor roller skating rink song is uh what's that rock steady okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that old 1980s yeah that's i think that's my go-to <laughs> i love it now i i have to ask both of you as well too because you know you're you're joining the mcu chasky you're no stranger to the world of marvel you were obviously jessica jones mm-hmm. and you were um part of the Wolverine podcast as well too. Yeah, I was, yeah. What does it mean for you now to be joining this grand Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, it's very special. You know, it's it's a series that I'm very proud and uh, honored to have been in. It's, you know, there's a lot of uh, um 
there's a lot of great storytelling in this in this show. It's not only indigenous cast and some crew, also ASL Lockwood Cox. You know, it op- it's just opens a world, a door to a world that uh, I think audiences are going to really be intrigued by and be satisfied they bought the ticket and took the ride. Definitely. You know, Devery for yourself, obviously, uh, would love you in... Um, Reservation Dogs and Taika Waititi was a was a big uh, factor behind that show. Did you reach him at all when you were joining the MCU for advice? I didn't actually reach out to Taika when joining the MCU, but I did have many conversations with Sydney Freeland, who I had a chance to work with on uh, both Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs. And Sydney, because like we're sworn to secrecy, we like the scripts are under lock and key when you're auditioning. So and there's like fabricated sides. So I was like, how am I supposed (laughs) to know if I like like this character if I like this world and getting to hear uh, from Sydney was really was really reassuring but also exciting because I knew that it would be an incredible series if she was if she was at the helm of it yeah and and it is and I think something that I you know mentioned at the top of the discussion was that you know it really is something that we haven't seen before and I think the inclusion of the ASL throughout this series is is so incredible to see that for representation how was the training like for you guys did you have a background that at all or was it something that you were learning for the series i didn't have a background is, is what i learned for the series and they had doug ridloff there to help uh, coach us and and give us uh lessons and they did very thorough job and we all wanted to we were excited about the project we want to do a good job for and to help with that community and at, at first it was challenging but you start to find a flow and uh like i said i looked at it as a dancer and I just had to like try to find the beats with my voice. Uh, I learned that uh, I talk faster than I move my hands, and so <laughs> I had to keep it that down a bit. I also didn't know ASL before. It was a language I've always wanted to learn, um, and I'm still I'm still taking lessons, even though the show's wrapped, and and I want to continue that journey. Uh, I think it's a really it's I think it's a really powerful language, and uh, we like Cheska was saying, we wanted to do justice to to that community, and also to really communicate with all of the actors on set, with Alakwa, with a lot of the deaf crew members. Um, I think that was really important and so we we took lessons and I know at the end of each day though like it's one thing to take a class in ASL but then it's another thing to be surrounded by a lot of deaf folks and interpreters all day and and like exclusively trying to communicate in ASL um, that like at the end of the day my brain would just be so tired because I felt like my neural pathways <laughs> forming all these new like l- this new language it was uh, it was definitely a challenge but um, it was one we were we're all really excited to take on. I love that. And I just want to say thank you both so much again for your time. You guys are both so great in this series. I cannot wait to see where it goes. And uh, Chassie, just as we wrap up, just want to say Sam Twilight forever on your <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank Sam, you. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> take awesome. Care. Thank take you. Take care, man.